and welcome to Worst Bestsellers, where we read about dystopian reality shows so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read The Selection by Kira Cass. Joining us to discuss this drunk teen bachelor is world chess champion Sophie. Hi. Hi, Sophie. Welcome back. Hello. Yay. You might remember Sophie from our Flowers in the Attic episode. She is back. Yes, I am. Because I have a very serious love-hate relationship with the Selection series. <laughs> Same. It's, <laughs> it's a really big problem in my life. And so I'm glad to have an outlet to finally talk about it. Yes, I'm here for you. We can talk about yeah. it. Well, for at least an hour. <laughs> yeah. And then sure. after we end the recording, probably much longer, just to really get it hashed out. <laughs> yes. I have a lot of feelings. Yes. So if you are not familiar with Worldwide Sensation, the selection series by Kira Cass, the basic gist is it sounds good. Or it sounds, I don't know. It sounds, it sounds good, good to me. It sounds so good. I, it's, a, it's a really good premise. Yeah. I mean, it also kind of sounds like the kind of thing that people make fun of YA fiction for, but also it's a pretty good premise, which is um, it's in the future dystopia where the prince of the country has to choose his bride on a The Bachelor-esque reality show, which is called The Selection. And one girl from each province gets chosen, and, you know, the winner gets to be the princess and future queen. So that sounds good, but first of all, this book is called The Selection, and nobody gets selected in this. Like, <laughs> it, nobody gets selected until the third book. Just, it takes him that long to, like, make up his mind. And then, second of all, you can tell that Kira Cass had this idea, like, oh, teen, bachelor, reality, like, dystopia, great, I got it. And then she was like, and I kind of wanted to have, like, sort of an old-timey vibe, you know, like, I don't want them texting and stuff, so, <laughs> you know, I don't want to deal with any of that, and I don't really want to explain anything, really, so I won't, I'm just not going to do that, and I'm just going to kind of hand-wavy say, it's the future times, and things are different, but also, uh, you know, people only have landlines, and like only really rich people have cell phones. They do. America says at one point she's seen celebrities with cell phones in their hand, but like not even it. the king has one. Also, she doesn't call it a what cell phone. She calls for? it a portable phone, which made me think it was just like a cordless okay. phone. Oh, that's even weirder. I don't know. That's I don't yeah, know. It definitely. This whole thing definitely feels like she was like, I got to cash in on that sweet teen dystopian money. And as she was saying it, she like loaded Twitter and there was a think piece about how The Bachelor is ruining America. And she was like, there it is. That's, <laughs> that's the premise of my book. And it's, I mean, like, I understand, I understand that world building is hard. I have spent the last nine months of my life in constant turmoil over how fucking hard world building is. Like, <laughs> it's rough. But the whole point is that you you work as you go along. These things come out. These questions come up. Well, how, how can they do this if this happened? How do they not know about all this stuff in the past if, you know, it's a part of their history? And then you answer the questions and you go back and you figure out how to weave it into the story. 
A, she doesn't answer a lot of the questions. B, when she does, it's in these, like, five-page info dumps (laughs) that just don't really fit into the flow of the story at all and have no bearing on what is actually happening. Basically, yeah. I guess we can start at the beginning. So our, our heroine is America Singer, who in the cast system, <laughs> that's her name, her name is America Singer, and you guys, she likes to sing. She's a singer. <laughs> but she does not that's live, she doesn't live in America because America doesn't exist anymore, and it is now known as Ilya, but it used to be America. And she, in the caste system, she's a five, which is toward the bottom. The caste system goes from one to eight, and the caste system makes no sense. And I know we've already said nothing makes sense, but this especially does not make sense. Because, um, you know, you're born into your caste system, and you have to do a job assigned to your caste unless you marry or buy your way out. But then if But you, only women only women can marry out. Right. And I think maybe only men yeah. can buy their way out. But anyway, if you do that, then you have to like get a new job assigned with that cast. Like so for example, America's family, they're fives, which are artists, which seems kind of low for artists, but I guess the thing is like artists don't make that much money. I don't know. So they're artists Well and artists are also different than celebrities. Right. Celebrities are their own cast. So if you're a if you're a famous artist, you're a two. But if you're just a regular artist, you're only a five. Kind of. But like her brother is a famous artist, and he's not a two. He's like what, like a four or a three or something, because he's been buying his way up. But but he's a but, sculptor. Like I feel like yeah. it's more like the perform. Like if you're famous in like a because even now like famous sculptors, I could not name. I can name one famous <laughs> sculptor because. He had a big sculpture at my college campus, but, like, no one knows who celebrity sculptors are. If she became famous, if she I was think like a pop singer, singer, yeah, she would be more of a celebrity. I think that he just is a famous artist. But, but I don't world. think she would organically be allowed, like, this is what I don't understand. Like, you can't just have celebrities be a cast, because... <laughs> If she became famous, like, in the laws of their cast, I don't think she'd be allowed to just skip those other casts and be like, oh, okay, well, my songs are really good, so I'm a two now. I don't think that's how it works. But I don't know for sure, and I don't think Kira Cass knows for sure. Yeah, it's almost, <laughs> it's almost like she didn't actually put any thought into it. Yeah, I feel I like she was... sounds surprising. She's like, oh, you know, the Hunger Games has those 12 districts, people like that. I'll just put some numbers in here. Great. Um, So then, okay, eights are the lowest, and eights are, like, if you're homeless or a criminal. Uh Or or disabled, which is really cool. Thanks, Kira Cass, for that. (laughs) Uh, Sevens are, like, outdoor manual laborers, and sixes are indoor manual laborers. But also secretaries. And store clerks. Okay, yeah. Uh, fives are artists. Fours are what now? Businessmen. Oh, forms are yeah. For, fours are farmers also. Also, real estate agents. Okay, which seems like a big disconnect there. Yeah, because I would yeah. think farmers would be in with the sixes and like manual laborers. But I guess if yeah. they own the farm, that's what the difference is. 
And the factory workers, too. Like, why are factory workers and businessmen on the same yeah, level? Yeah, factory workers should be with the manual laborers. Like, I'm, so- right? I'm sorry to factory workers, yeah. but, like, that that is manual labor. Unless it's, like... Because it is technically the future. Maybe it's some kind of robot factory that we haven't been explained at all. Anyway, and then uh, threes are anything intellectual. So, like, a teacher or a doctor or a scientist or things like that. But it's weird also because it seems like nobody goes to school and everybody's homeschooled. Uh, Only, I think, sixes and sevens go to public school. Oh, that's right, and that was weird. Like, why is... And all the other casts are homeschooled, which makes zero sense. Right. Like, if anything, they should have, like, a fancy private school or something. But, yeah, yeah, they're homeschooled. And then ones, of course, are the royalty, the royal family. Uh, Oh, you skipped... Oh, we already explained two. Yeah, two's are celebrities. Uh, But also palace guards. Also, members of the military. (laughs) Yeah, we will link to this. There is a The Selection wiki that, like, explains it, but doesn't really explain it because it's kind of inexplicable. But it at least, like, lists who's in every cast, and it doesn't make sense. Cause, like, also, they made cute outfits for every cast. Yes, they did. That's my uh, favorite part. <laughs> um, On the wiki page, not in the book. Uh, and I feel like this is just going to be the first of infinity times that I negatively compare this to the Hunger Games. But in the Hunger Games, this book just really made me appreciate so much how kind of effortlessly Suzanne Collins did the world building of the Hunger Games, where, like, you're totally on board with all of it, and it makes sense, and it all adds up, and... So in the Hunger Games, you know, there were the districts, and every district had a thing that they were kind of, like, known for, and, like... And that was a lot of based on geography, like District 12 is used to be Appalachia, so they do coal mining, because that's where coal is. But it wasn't like, (laughs) if you live there, you're required to mine coal, you just probably do, because that's what's there. But like, you could also be a baker or something in 12, because you need people to do other jobs, no matter what. And so that checks out. And it, it also, like, because if it, one of the things in the book, like they were saying, is that you can marry up. Or you could buy your way up. So if you're marrying up, if you're a five, if you're a singer who marries a three, like what you can't become a scientist overnight. <laughs> right, like, exactly. It, it doesn't, these things all take training. So you're saying you wasted all this time training to do this job to the point where you do it really well. And now you have to learn to do a whole other... Like, I feel like a really good singer would be worth more than a really shitty scientist. Exactly. But then, at some points, it seems like that's how it works. But then again, America's older brother is a famous artist who keeps buying his way up through the caste system, but is still doing art, which seems like that should be illegal. Because she specifically says, because if she, uh, spoiler alert, she gets chosen for the selection. Yeah. Everyone chosen for the selection, when they leave the palace, is a higher cast than they were. They're all threes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no matter what they were before, unless they were a two or something. And she's like, oh, like, I, I don't know what I'll do if I'm a three because I love singing and I'm not good at anything else. Like, maybe they'll let me be a music teacher. Like, yes. uh, And also where? Yeah. Where will she be teaching music and to who? <laughs> uh, okay, so none of this makes sense. 
But yeah. so America, our our five who likes to sing, gets chosen for the selection. But she didn't. She never even wanted to put her name in because she is in love with Aspen, who's her neighbor, who's a six. So he is a poor garbage person because he's a six. And so nobody would approve of their romance. And Aspen doesn't really approve either because he's like, well, if we get married, then you'll have to be a six two, And I just couldn't do that to you. And she's like, but I love you. It's fine. He's like, no. So he and her mom are both like, you have to at least put your name in the selection. And like, it's a big lottery. Like only one person from each state gets chosen. So the odds are like really not in her favor. And so it, it doesn't make sense that like, she literally just has to fill out a form and, like, take it to the post office. And she's like, no, I don't want to. And But finally they convince her, and then, shockingly, she does get chosen to go. And it's it's weird, too, because, like, eventually she comes around to, to this interpretation of it. But, like, if you get chosen, even if you don't marry, you don't get chosen by the prince to marry him, your family gets these giant checks every week that you're at the palace and like you're guaranteed to be there for at least there's guaranteed to get at least one check when you're first taken away so like even if you are chosen you don't have to marry the guy like just act like an asshole and get thrown out and your family has you know x amount of money that they could live on for a year Yes. It's that, just stupid. That, and then also, it's again, it's not like it's the Hunger Games. Like, you're getting, you're going to a nice palace, <laughs> and they'll make you dresses and stuff. You don't have to fight, except for um, if you're Celeste, which we'll get to. But yes. basically, like, even if you don't actually want to marry this dude, it's a pretty, like, pleasant experience that you're going to. Yeah. So she gets chosen. Um, right before she gets chosen, she... Her mother kind of makes this deal with her to get her to put her name in for this election where if she does it, she'll be allowed to keep half the money she earns. And she's really excited because that means she can save up money for her future with Aspen. And when she uses some of that money to cook him a meal, he gets super pissed at her for spending money on him because he's supposed to provide for her and, like, breaks up with her and storms off and, like, leaves all of this food she's prepared behind like an asshole when his family is starving across the street. And she's predictably broken up about it. Yeah, and it kind of, like... Aspen is, like, the embodiment of toxic masculinity, but with a <laughs> hippie name, and it's confusing. Yeah, he's so garbage. I just wanted to set him on fire the entire time. And he was such a douchebag that this whole time... Uh, the whole time I listened to, I listened to this idea. The whole time I was listening to it, I thought he was going to turn out to be a spy. I thought he was going to come back and sabotage America. I really <laughs> like he was sending up so many red flags at the beginning that I just like, I really had my eyes on him as a character. And spoiler alert, no, he's fine. He's a good guy. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> So uh, America's kind of like, well, fuck this then. Like, I'll I'll go, whatever. And she's, because she's chosen, she leaves. She flies for the first time um, to wherever the palace is. Los Angeles. On, Los Angeles. Yeah, what do they call it? All the provinces have slightly different names. Like, I her- actually just found, yeah, I found a map of it, and it's really dumb. Um, but yeah, Angeles is basically just Southern California. Yeah, so like, okay. and then her province is just called Carolina. It's not North it's or South anymore. Just like, it's just yeah, Carolina. Yeah, it's just Carolina. 
Which Florida is weird is because now. at one point she, when she's there, she's talking about how warm it is and how like they have all this light clothing because it's so warm and it's so cold back where she's from, which doesn't make any sense if she's no. from either of the Carolinas. I mean, I guess if she's from, like, the northern areas of North Carolina, maybe it would be colder. But, yeah, it's it's not like she's from Maine or something. Yeah. Or whites, as one of the northern states is now called. It's, because it's Alaska, snow. according oh, to this map. Oh, Alaska is whites. Great. Yeah, that's a great name. Great. <laughs> There's uh, some so really I'm- bad state names in here, you guys. <laughs> we'll link to that right as now. well. Yeah. It's great. So on the flight to Angeles, she meets Marley and Ashley, who are two of the other contestants. And is Celeste on the flight, too? Celeste is on the Mm flight, yeah. I think Celeste is the last one to show up, so she meets the other two first, and she's like, maybe it won't be so bad. And then Celeste is like, I'm here, and I'm a bitch. And she's like, ah, I thought everybody's going to be like this. Okay. Yeah, Marley is, like, the bubbly, effervescent best friend character. Ashley, don't get attached to. And <laughs> Celeste is the queen bitch. Yes. And every single stereotypical thing you can think about her is very quickly made apparent in the text. Celeste is the... Celeste is just dystopian Regina George, and I live for her. <laughs> <laughs> So they get, they land, and when they land, there are a lot of people who are already very excited and who are already very excited about America for reasons that are never really explained. Uh, Partly it's because she has red hair. There's a girl who has a sign that says redheads rule. And so she stays behind to, like, chat with people and sign autographs and take pictures, which the other three don't do for whatever reason, and when she gets back, uh, the other girls are really resentful of her, which is weird because it's not like they, they could have done the same thing and they chose not to. So I don't know what was going on there. Not a lot of this makes sense at all. Nope. Um, uh, but after that, they take them to the palace where they see all of the other girls and have their, like getting to know you sort of thing. I don't... And then, yeah, they get their maids assigned to them. Every girl gets three maids assigned to them to take care of all their needs. Um, Oh, she gets a closet full of beautiful dresses, but she doesn't like them because she doesn't care about fashion. She just wants to go, like, be with Aspen and be poor, but they are really nice dresses, but she totally doesn't care, though. There's a lot of dress porn in these books. Yeah. Yeah. And the maids are also tailors, and they, like, custom-make new dresses all the time for them. They get, like, lovingly described in detail. Yeah. Which is also funny, because earlier in the book, when she's getting dressed to go do something, they make it a point of her being like, oh, like, because we're fives, we can only afford, like, not great clothes, but I have a couple nice things, but I wish I had nicer things. Like, I see pictures in magazines and whatever, and I wish I could have nice clothes, but I make do with what I have. And then she's presented with nice clothes, custom made for her, and she's like, this is all garbage. I'm just gonna wear pants all the time. Yeah, America is so strange. And I I mean, I kind of get it, because, like, when you're a teenager, like, everything feels like it's the worst or it's the best, and it can be, like, very extreme, but 
she, yeah, like, things that seem sort of, like, normal or even positive are just the worst to her, and it's very strange. But I will say we skipped one amazing scene that sort of explains why she's so bitter to be at the palace, which is after she's been selected, but before she actually goes on the flight, this dude from the palace comes and he's like, hey, I'm here on official business. Are you a virgin? And she's like, uh, yeah. And he's like, great. Okay, well, just so you know, like, uh, the prince can ask for, like, whatever, and you have to say yes, okay, cool, and here's some vitamins you have to take, which, by the way, I thought the vitamins would be secret for birth control, but they were just vitamins. <laughs> yeah, um, so... Because also, yeah, the- because before that, even, it's revealed by her talking with Aspen that premarital sex is illegal in this country, and also birth control is not available to the poor people at all, which is strange like it's illegal if you're illegal under four or if you're under the cast of four then you're not allowed to have birth control at all and they apparently they don't even have any like home remedies or like they don't understand anything about it it's just like totally cut off for them and society (laughs) wants everybody to like get married and start having babies early which seems yeah like sophie said seems fake but okay yeah, that's kind of my reaction to everything in this book is seems fake, but OK, because people have been, you know, the ancient Egyptians invented condoms and people were finding ways to do abortions in like Puritan England. So it seems like this society could figure it out on their own. Right. And this is supposedly 300 years in the future and they've just like lost all medical technology they've like lost everything and it's sort of explained that there was a war but it doesn't really explain anything yeah so they she's at the palace she meets the other 34 girls who are there to be bachelored off to this prince um and that night after her maids put her to bed she starts to have a panic attack basically and wants to get outside like needs to be outside And one of the rules that they never address again is that they're not allowed to leave the castle, Mm -hmm. like even to go out into the garden. So she's trying to get out and the guards are yelling at her like, oh, no, you're not allowed out there. And she's like literally hyperventilating and about to pass out. And then, of course, Prince Maxon appears from nowhere and is like, let her outside, you shitheads. And they do. And she runs out and... I don't know, has her panic attack outside and he tries to comfort her and she kind of, like, bitches at him and sends him away. Yeah, because, okay, because he's like, oh, like, calm down, my dear. What's wrong, my dear? And she's like, I'm not your dear. Like, you have all these, like, 35 other bitches to choose from and, like, none of us are special (laughs) and, you know, why are you acting like this? And he's like, well, I want, like, you're all dear to me. I just have to, like, get to know you better and decide who I'm going to marry. And she's like, meh. And then she knees him in the crotch. That doesn't that's, happen. No, yet. that's later. That's like oh, on their second date. God, you're yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> so she eventually goes back inside, and the next morning, like pretend they pretend that they that it never happened and they never saw each other. He might actually ask her to pretend that it didn't happen before he leaves because he's not supposed to meet any of them until this breakfast the next morning. Right, he asks Um, her about it, but then immediately forgets that he's asked her about it, and then they talk about it in public later, but initially they're not supposed to talk about it. Yeah. 
So then the breakfast happens and they all talk to him for the first time. And when she goes over to talk to him, she's kind of like, hey, that thing that happened last night was embarrassing. And he kind of makes a joke and they like very quickly settle into this kind of casual familiarity with each other where they're very comfortable with each other. Mm -hmm. Oh, is this where or is it later where she's like, I'm in love with somebody back home and I could never love you, just so you know. I think that's yeah. later. I think it's when they go on their... Oh, uh, the same date where she needs him in the groin? Maybe, or maybe the second one. It's when she tells him, like, I'm going to be your friend and that'll be our... He, she admits to him, like, I'm here for selfish reasons. I don't want to marry you. I'm never going to want to marry you. But if you keep me around long enough to get food for my family, I'll give you dirt on the other girls. Yes. Which I like their friendship. Like, I actually, I think that it's one of the least bad parts about the book is their relationship. Yeah. yeah I, I, I think Maxon is the least worst person in this book. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. I liked their friendship. I even liked the idea of their relationship because I think she did such a good job with their friendship. Yeah. I, bought it turning into a romantic relationship over time. Yeah. Which is probably, like, the most thought that she put into any characterization or relationship in the book. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like, definitely this is a situation where she's like, I want, like, kind of a fairy tale romance. Like, I'll think a lot about this. And then they're in a castle, and then they're in the future. I don't know, whatever. But um, it's real dreamy, though. Because <laughs> I... Like, maybe, maybe I should save this to the end after the summary, but just, like, I think the idea of a fairy tale type bachelor situation is a really good one, given the, like, fairy tale conceit of, oh, the prince needs to get married, so all the eligible ladies are coming to this ball. Like, that is so ingrained in our yeah. folklore culture that the idea of a modern version of that being the bachelor is really interesting. So the idea of a fairy tale esque bachelor, even if it's in the future or whatever, is so fascinating to me. But instead of it being that book, it's like half that book and half a poorly thought out dystopia kind of mushed together with a love triangle and it none of it ends up working. And, and, it, I'm mad. and it really drops the reality show premise so quickly because you'd think, you know, I, like, I'm not convinced Kira Kess ever watched The Bachelor because, you know, so much <laughs> is that about, like, getting the confessionals and, like, tricking girls into saying stuff on camera or, like, you know, manufacturing these incidents that'll look good for the camera. And as far as she gets is, like, oh, we'll go on a horseback date because, like, that'll look good for the camera. But there's none of this, like, deceit or, like, you know, there's none of that. There's no unreal to this. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, nobody's behind the scenes pulling strings. Nobody's, like, trying to make America look bad, which... Which is interesting. Like, it almost feels like she has heard the criticism of, like, making girls too catty and pinning female characters against each other. Because they keep saying, like, she keeps saying, like, oh, I understand, like, these people are becoming my friends, and even though I'm competing against them, I really respect and admire them. And that keeps being pounded home. So it's kind of like they made this one character, Celeste, who was going to be the meanest mean girl. 
so that all of the other girls could have that sort of, oh, like, I want all of us to win because, <laughs> like, we all have strengths and weaknesses. And then they still had an enemy, a common enemy that they could rally against. By the way, by book three, Celeste is nice because she yeah. was just insecure all along. <laughs> And, like, the shit she does just seems so fucked up and unforgivable. At one point, um, they're when they're doing a TV portion of it where they're all going to be on TV, um, they have all, all the other girls have had dresses made that look similar, that are blue the way that America's dress was in, like, their first big date thing that everyone was like, oh, like, that's beautiful, and he likes her best, so we're all gonna get blue dresses. So her maids make her a red dress for this one, and when Celeste sees it, she gets so angry, she drags her off to the side and tries to rip the dress off of her, physically rip the dress off of her, in a room filled with other people who, I guess, are just not paying attention. (laughs) Right. Yeah, so Celeste, in this book, is just basically a cartoonish Regina George mean girl. And it's great. I wish she had not been redeemed, honestly, but whatever. (laughs) She, like, spills wine purposely on this girl's big, white, fancy birthday gown in front of Maxen. It's just, like, weird. It's, like, all this weird cartoonish, like, she's talking to the nicest, kindest, shyest girl And whatever she says is enough to make the girl slap her. And if you hit another contestant, you're automatically booted off. Yep. Yeah. So not not a whole lot happens in this book. Like it's it sets up the world. I'm doing air quotes on this podcast. It sets up (laughs) the world, but it barely does. And then it's basically kind of like a series of incidents of like them going on dates and them going on TV show appearances. They set up when she starts her friendship with him. Like they start this like special. signals that they can that means like I'd like to get alone in private to talk to you about something so there's like a lot of like them secretly signaling to each other and having heart to hearts and getting like parts of the backstory explained that way Aspen comes back it turns out Aspen gets drafted and just as she's starting to think she might be falling in love with Max Maxon Aspen returns as a palace guard because he's been drafted and he's been assigned to the palace and then there he is and he tells her that he was just faking it and he's always been in love with her and yeah he was just trying to protect her and she kind of buys it because she's dumb and of course also we forgot to mention I guess one thing that is very thinly brought up Part of the reason why they have so many guards is that there are rebels who are attacking sometimes, but it's not clearly stated, like, what the rebels want or, like, what they're rebelling against or, like, what they're doing. (laughs) Maxon, like, confides in her that even though everybody thinks there's only one kind of rebels, there's two kinds of rebels. There's northern rebels and southern rebels. And the southern rebels are a lot more violent. And the southern rebels attack and it's scary but not that much happens 
when the, the Northern Rebels attack at 1.2 and there's this whole thing where he tells her, like, the Southern Rebels try to kill people, the Northern Rebels, like, they ransack the castle like they're looking for something specific. Like, they never, they they don't attack people, but they, like, open dressers and, like, pull out things and, and go in the library and look through all the books and stupid shit like that. And even the king, apparently, does not know what the rebels want. Yeah, they're just, like, very content to be like, oh, yeah, this is just a thing that happens sometimes. Just yeah. we all go down at dungeons. It's fine. Don't worry about it. And, and the and rebels aren't, like, making it clear. Like, they're not even making their demands clear. It's not yeah. like they're making their demands clear and it's being covered up. They're literally not saying why they're attacking. Yeah. Right. Well... And even, this might be in the next book, but Maxon's like, I think the Northern Rebels are looking for something. Like, it seems like there's a specific thing they want. And the king is like, no, they're just randomly, like, fucking with us. Like, they're not looking for a <laughs> thing, you dummy. But they are looking for a thing, and they find it eventually. Yeah. Well, they don't find it in this one, but uh, yes. in this one, In the next does. one, yeah. Yeah. So that that's happening in the background, too. Girls and then, oh, sent- yeah, because of because of the biggest attack, Maxon's like, it's not safe to keep you guys here. I'm only going to keep you here if I think you have a serious chance of being my, you know, my wife. So the, at the end, he narrows it down to just six girls left, which includes America, which includes Celeste the Bitch, which includes mm-hmm. Marley, the nice one, and three other randos who it doesn't really matter. And it's interesting, Marley, so Marley, um, every time America meets with Maxon on his own, she's like, isn't my friend Marley great? Like, isn't she so nice? Like, wouldn't she make a great wife? And he's like, yeah, she's nice, I guess. And then Marley confides to her, like, hey, the prince is sure handsome. Um, so do you feel like romantic things towards him? Does that, is it just going to happen one day or what? And, um, I had really hoped that the reason she wasn't attracted to him was because she was queer, but apparently according to Renata in the notes, that is not the case. No, I really thought that would be her secret too. Actually, that's something that is not addressed in any of these books, except a little tiny bit in the fourth one. Like, yeah, there in the in the sequel series there are two contestants who like fall in love with each other. Yes. But, but it's not really addressed before like when she's setting out like oh sex is illegal and there's no birth control. There's not even yeah. a hint mentioned that she even like knows about queer people or that there's anything of that in the society at all. Which of course was literally my first thought when they were like, <laughs> oh like you know, sex is illegal, and if they find out you're pregnant, then, you know, you're screwed. And I'm like, well, then it seems like that would be okay for my people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so it totally seems like Marley is gay, but she's not. She's I don't just, even remember what she's was going just, on with her. She's not into the prince. Oh, so, spoilers for the next books. Uh, and I realized it's... It's set up a tiny, tiny bit in this one, but I wasn't looking for it because, again, I thought she, I thought she was gay. Um, she's not. There is a guard that she's into, and then and, oh yeah, and then she gets caught with the guard, and then they get publicly caned. Right. 
and banished and then yeah yeah and they get banished and even after seeing all this shit happen like her friend is like very publicly caned like in an arena and like pun like punished for fucking around when she's supposed to be with the prince uh america is still like fucking around with aspen like they don't actually have sex but they like kiss and stuff and it's like girl you're so dumb you're so dumb yeah they're just like making out on her bed in the middle of the night when like literally anyone in the palace when anyone can walk into her room at any time it's she's really dumb. dumb She's so incredibly stupid. Yeah. So that this book ends with not a real book ending. It's like she's just talked to Aspen and she's like kind of feeling good about Aspen. and But also she's feeling good about being one of the last six girls in the competition. And she just like goes to sleep and she's like, I sure have a lot of possibilities. Good night. End of book. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's so, it, you know, it's again, like in The Hunger Games, she wins the Hunger Games and goes home, and that's the end of the book. And you're still like, oh, she has repercussions. Like, you can see where you would want a sequel because there's more stuff that has to happen. But the titular Hunger Games have concluded. Whereas in this, <laughs> the selection, nobody's been selected. Nobody gets selected until the third book. At the very end. The very like, end. The very, very end. Like, straight up, I know I know we're comparing it to the Hunger Games a lot, but I think that that's something that we should talk about because... I, I understand that people are like, you can't compare every dystopia to the Hunger Games. Well, this one you can. There this are one so many things to be in this. compared to the Hunger Games. Yeah. That seem to be pulled directly from the Hunger Games. There's a point where she notices, and I haven't read the other books, so I, I don't know. I am purely guessing on this. She notices that um, the TV host is wearing a very particular pin with a very particular design. Yep. Nailed it. And, like, notice it yep. and thinks about it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> Which is a whole subplot in The Hunger Games. <laughs> like, directly. Nailed it. <laughs> she yes. notices jewelry on someone. <laughs> yep. <laughs> she is very slow to figure it out. Like, even after she is introduced to what that jewelry means, it takes her, like, a long time to notice it on, like, other people. Yeah, it's amazing that, like, in The Hunger Games, Katniss is really slow, and she's, like, not, she doesn't pick up on a lot of this stuff, but, like, America is so much slower to pick up on anything. And I feel like Katniss, too, in The Hunger Games is, we, tonally, her perspective, her narrative makes it clear that the reason she doesn't pick up on these things is because literally all she cares about is surviving because yes. day to day, mm-hmm. that yeah. is all that matters to yeah. her. Yeah. Yeah. That and her sister. Yes. Yeah. You never get that from America. Like it's, it seems that like, yeah, like money is tight for her family sometimes, but like there's a society that's happening and it's more integrated than the districts were because it's all different, people of all different castes, like, live in each state. So it's not, like, you're all the sixes live together and all the fives live together and stuff like that. So, like, she's around other people. There's no reason for her to be this dumb. Right. I mean, except for just the fact that she's a teenage girl and she's incredibly self-centered. Yeah. I mean, there <laughs> is some of the stuff that I was frustrated with, but then I was like, well, I kind of buy it because, like... Partly in this one, especially in later books, like, Maxon makes it very clear. He's like, I love you. Like, I have to keep these other girls run for show, but I love you. I'm totally going to pick you. Like, I, 
it's definitely you. And she's like, I don't know. Does he like me? I don't know. I don't know. And it's like, he, <laughs> he could not make it any more clear. But at the same time, like, that is sort of, like, true life insecure teenager. It's like, well, he says, but, like, I don't know. Like, that other girl's prettier than me. I don't know. Even though he spent, like, an hour telling me. Like, I just don't know. <laughs> I mean, that that is also, like, true to life, like, 30-year-old women. (laughs) (laughs) Not that I have any experience with that. Um, So, like, yeah, like, stuff like that I'd buy, but some of this other stuff, like, and the, the love triangle, I get that. I don't care for love triangles. I get that they are popular with teenagers, and I understand why, and I understand that, and I respect that. But there's a way that you can do it that's good, and there's a way that you can do it that doesn't really make any sense. Because this is even kind of the same basic love triangle as Hunger Games, where it's like, oh, my childhood best friend who's poor like me, or this, like, it's exaggerated, or this, like, rich new guy, without... to care about me and isn't hot and cold on me like my childhood best friend. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's, there are a lot of things that feel like they were pulled, even the reality TV premise aside, there's so many, like, aspects of the book that feel like they were pulled directly from that trilogy. And I get it. Like, it made a lot of money. It's a really good series. Like, I would want to steal from a good thing, too. But she does it so blatantly and so poorly that instead of being like, oh, I took this concept and went somewhere else with it, like, you can't help but compare the two in your mind and come up lacking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet, here's the thing about these books, is uh, I I loved them? Question? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I couldn't. I, like, I... Okay. Uh, the first one I listened to, I was, when I was in my sadness cave, I, I was on a road trip between a series of caves, I guess you could say. And I was with a friend and, um, you know, as the librarian on the trip, I prepared for my duty. I downloaded a selection, if you will, of audiobooks. And, you know, we kind of looked at them and we're like, okay, well, this selection seems like kind of fun. We'll just like put that in. That'll kind of get us across Nebraska. And we were both at the end of it. We were like, uh, do you have the next one? Can you get the next one? And I had to like return all my other library audiobooks so I could get all of the other ones. And like some of them were out. So I had to put digital holds on them. And like one of them came in. And we were almost done with the one before it, and my hold came in, and we sat in the parking lot of a closed restaurant to steal the Wi-Fi so that we could download that book. So, like, we need it. We we can't go any further until we have this fucking book. Because, well, especially of the first three. So the first three are about America and Maxon, and then the, the last two are about America and Maxon's child, who is the worst person. But, She's really bad. Uh, but like they end in such a cliffhanger because it's not really an ending of anything it's just like well I guess if we were going to divide this book in thirds here would be a third on to the next one so it doesn't really resolve anything she's like I need the next book what happens yeah Yeah, I read them in one weekend just Mm -hmm compulsively yeah, just we, mainline all of them and I mean granted we were driving a lot and very far but we listened to all five within a week yeah Yeah, like, we read bad books on here that I have a lot of shit to talk about, which, you know, like I did with this one, that I'm like, this is garbage, I can't believe I'm reading this. I read this in, like, a day. I needed Mm -hmm. to know what was happening next. Yeah. Like, it was, I I did not not enjoy reading it. 
Because, like we said, I do think that the romance is pretty good. I think it's, like, pretty compelling. Like, the trappings of it are garbage nonsense. But the, mm-hmm. the characters, um, I'm pretty into it. I don't know. Yeah. And the concept, I mean, we talked a lot about this when we did I Didn't Come Here to Make Friends, but there is something incredibly compelling with this sort of reality TV behind-the-scenes voyeurism. And that, like, there wasn't enough of that to mm-hmm. me. Like, I, my main thing that I came away with was, like, oh, my God, I really want a YA fantasy yeah. bachelor that's done better than this without, like, all that. Also, there's a rebellion going on stuff. Like, I, yeah. I literally just want that. Yeah. Because, I mean, I have read other... there. There is sort of an outcrop... Not outcropping. What is that? They've been cropping up uh, books about teenagers on reality shows but none with that bachelor element exactly uh yeah i I think something like this like this could be the first draft of something and i want Mm -hmm. like the 50th draft where like all this nonsense has been worked out and it's and it's better but at the same time again really into this yeah yeah it's not good but that doesn't matter. I um I kept in my head Marley, her best friend, probably because I kept thinking like her big secret was that she was a lesbian. I kept picturing her as Faith from Unreal, but a teenager, even though they don't look anything alike. Yeah. It just I just wanted it badly. I was gonna say I actually heard of the selection initially because it had gotten optioned by the CW to be a TV show. Yes. And I still think it would do so well in that format if they made it better. <laughs> yes. I guess they made a TV movie of it. I watched the trailer and it seemed weird and not at all like this book. So I don't know. Oh, that's weird. And um, Giles from Buffy is the king. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, th- I think a good, like, smart show could be made of this for sure. I would definitely watch it. The last thing I want to mention before we move on... Was, like I said, I, f- I first listened to these on audio, and then reading these, I was really thrown by how stupid and, like, quote, future the names are. Because in the audiobook, okay. most of them sound like normal names, like, but they're not. So, like, her brother's name is Jared, which I thought was just, like, J-E-R-E-D, Jared, but it's G-E-R-A-D. Um, Marley is with an E-E, which is, like, okay, I guess. But, like, Chris is K-R-I-S-S. Um, and then also, they... Okay, so America has become Ilya. Like, the country of America, not America the person. America the country is Ilya. And then some of the other countries... Like, there is something called New <laughs> Asia. That is, I guess, Asia, but new. I don't really know. But then all of the Scandinavian countries have become Swendway, which is infuriating to me. And if you're <laughs> from Swendway, you are Swendish. Like, and you, but you speak Finnish. Yeah, you speak which, Finnish. That makes no sense. No sense. <laughs> uh, also, I would like to jump ahead very briefly, Sophie, to complain about how in book four and five, it is outrageous that the, the palace doesn't provide its own interpreter for their Swendish guest. Like, that, yeah, they, that's basic diplomacy. No English. <laughs> But anyway, yeah. Swendway. So, I have, like, 
God, you guys. They're so bad. But also, Italy is still Italy. Yes. And France (laughs) is still France. So I don't know what the fuck went on over in Europe and Asia, but something went down and France and Italy were just left unscathed. Yeah, we're going to talk about it a little bit when we do a dramatic reading, but, like, all of the backstory is so, like, casual, paint-by-numbers dystopian to the degree that you almost expect in, like, a sketch show making fun of teen dystopia. Yes. Like, super cash in the narrative. It's like, well, after the Fourth World War, when (laughs) it's just the United States of China went to war against... (laughs) Yeah, it's written by someone with a very, very tenuous grasp on geopolitics, and she was like, well, China's bad, right? (laughs) Yeah, but Russia? Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, Why don't we stop trying to recap it and move on to our dramatic readings and give people a real taste of of this real, real life book that exists. Okay. So our first dramatic reading is from pretty early on in the book, and it's when... By the way, there is a national curfew established in Ilya, and you're not allowed to leave your house after, like, 9 o'clock or something. For whatever. But uh, American Aspen like to sneak out and make out in a treehouse. So it's this... on her property, so I don't really understand how they expect to be caught. Like, she talks about how dangerous it is, but it's not like they're going to a public park. Like, they're literally in her backyard. Yeah. I mean, I guess, well, also, you're not allowed to date. Maybe? I don't well, know. Well, yeah, like, that part, yeah. But, like, when she talks about, like, oh, like, being out, out after curfew, it's like, but you're you're in your backyard. You're not, like, sneaking out to go to a rager. Right. Whatever. Whatever, indeed. So this is uh, Aspen in America just chatting it up in their secret treehouse. Um, and I will be Aspen and Kate will be America. Are you going to enter the selection? No, of course not. I don't want anyone to think I'd even consider marrying some stranger. I love you, I said earnestly. You want to be a six? Always hungry? Always worried? He asked. I could hear the pain in his voice, but also the genuine question. If I had to choose between sleeping in a palace with people waiting on me or the three-room apartment with Aspen's family, which one did I really want? Aspen, we'll make it. We're smart. We'll be fine. I willed it to be true. You know that's not how it'll be, Mare. I'd still have to support my family. I'm not the abandoning type. And if we had kids? When we have kids. And we'll just be careful about it. Who says we have to have more than two? You know that's not something we can control. I could hear the anger building in his voice. I couldn't blame him. If you were wealthy enough, you could regulate having a family. If you were a four or worse, they left you to fend for yourselves. This had been the subject of many an argument for us over the past six months, when we seriously started trying to find a way to be together. Children were the wild card. The more you had, the more there were to work. But then again, so many hungry mouths. We fell quiet again, both unsure of what to say. Aspen was a passionate person. He tended to get a little carried away in an argument. 
He had gotten better about catching himself before he got too angry, and I knew that's what he was doing now. I didn't want him to worry or be upset. I really thought we could handle it. If we just planned for everything we could, we'd make it through everything we couldn't. Maybe I was too optimistic. Maybe I was just too far in love. But I really believed that anything Aspen and I wanted badly enough, we could make happen. I think you should do it. Do what? Enter the selection. I think you should do it. I glared at him. Are you out of your mind? Mayor, listen to me. His mouth was right to my ear. It wasn't fair. He knew this distracted me. When his voice came, it was breathy and slow, like he was saying something romantic, though what he was suggesting was anything but. If you had a chance for something better than this, and you didn't take it because of me, I'd never forgive myself. I couldn't stand it. I let out my breath in a quick huff. It's so ridiculous. Think of the thousands of girls entering. I won't even get picked. If you won't get picked, then why does it matter? His hands were rubbing up and down my arms now. I couldn't argue when he did that. All I want is for you to enter. I just want you to try. And if you go, then you go. And if you don't, then at least I won't have to beat myself up for holding you back. But I don't love him, Aspen. I don't even like him. I don't even know him. No one knows him. That's the thing, though. Maybe you would like him. Aspen, stop. I love you. And I love you. He kissed me slowly to make his point. And if you love me, you'll do this so I won't go crazy wondering what if. So, cool <laughs> emotional manipulation, bro. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, do we mention that he, like, formally breaks up with her after she gets selected? Yeah, we talked about him yeah. abandoning her after the food. Great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When he throws his temper tantrum. Yeah. He's the worst. Mm-hmm. He is. All right. Um, so our next dramatic reading, we'll move on to weirdly, there are like classes for the selected and you'd think like some of them are like etiquette and stuff like that. But then they also just have this info dump history lesson and mm-hmm. uh, there's too many players in it. So Sophie's just going to read everybody. And we yeah, hope- it also doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in the narrative who is saying what because it's just an info dump. Yeah, just random selected girls contribute random pieces of information. Uh, Sylvia, I guess we never explicitly mentioned Sylvia. She's kind of like their palace handler who like tells them things like she's about to do in this dramatic reading. Yes. All right. When the United States couldn't repay their massive debt, the Chinese invaded. Unfortunately for them, this didn't get them any money as the United States was beyond bankruptcy. However, it did gain them American labor. And when the Chinese took over, what did they rename the United States? I raised my hand along with a few others. Jenna, Sylvia called. The American state of China. Yes, the American state of China had the appearance of its original country, but was merely a facade. The Chinese were pulling strings behind the scenes, influencing any major political happenings and steering legislation in their favor. Sylvia walked through the the desk slowly. I felt like a mouse in the sight of a hawk that was circling ever closer. Um, why is it that we don't have any of this in a book so we could study? There was a hint of irritation in her voice. Sylvia shook her head. Dear girls, 
history isn't something you study. It's something you should just know. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of the general attitude towards history in these books, and it's extremely weird. They're hiding something, FYI. Like, obviously, that's why. That's the answer. Right. And there and- are pieces of this kind of, like, you know, 1984-type scenario, but it's never really, like, fully explained. Like, America at one point had found a very old history book, and, like, there's history in that they don't teach anymore. But it doesn't seem like the palace is, like, making a big effort to keep information out. It just kind of, like, isn't there. Because, mm-hmm. like, Maxon yeah. is really surprised by a lot of this stuff, too. It's not like, like, in most dystopian novels where it's like, oh, the real, what really happened has been covered up so that we could tell you our version so that you believe what we want you to believe. And there's not even that. It's just like, no one really knows what happened. We don't, we don't know. Whatever. This is just what Doesn't it's matter. like now. Yeah, and, and spoiler alert for future books, the stuff that nobody knows is all written in a diary that is stored in the palace, but nobody except for the king knew what was in it. Like, anyway, it's not good. It's, like, clearly an afterthought to the romance. Mm-hmm. And she needed something to stretch it out to three books. Yeah, it's, like, clearly just the diary is just, like, this MacGuffin of, like, oh, yeah, and information yeah. that doesn't really change anything by... All right, so our last dramatic reading um, is when the girls are about to appear on Caesar Flickerman's show, and <laughs> uh, and the characters who will be in this are Celeste, who, as mentioned, is the Regina George bitch, Natalie, who is a blank slate, and America, who oh, and America will be Kate again, and I'll be Celeste, and Sophie will be Natalie. <laughs> you look stunning, America. She said in a way that was slightly more an accusation than praise. Thanks. That dress is gorgeous. She ran her hands down her torso, straightening imaginary wrinkles. Yeah, I liked it too. Natalie ran her hand across one of the cat sleeves on my dress. Well, what's that material? It's really going to shine under the lights. I have no idea, actually. We don't get a lot of the nice stuff as fives, I said with a shrug. I looked down at the fabric. I'd had at least one other dress made from the same type of cloth, but I hadn't bothered learning the name. America! I looked up to see Celeste standing right beside me, smiling. Could you come with me for just one moment? I need some help. Without waiting for an answer, she pulled me away from Chris and Natalie and around the heavy blue curtain that was the backdrop of the report studio. Take off your dress. She ordered as she started unzipping her own. What? I want your dress. Take it off. Ugh, damn hook. She said, still trying to get out of her clothes. I'm not taking off my dress, I said and went to leave. I didn't get very far, though, as Celeste buried her nails into my arm and jerked me back. Ouch, I cried, grabbing my arm. It looked like there would be marks, but hopefully no blood. Shut up. Take off the dress. Now. I stood there, my face set, refusing to budge. Celeste was just going to have to get over not being the center of Ilya. 
I could take it off for you. She offered coldly. I'm not afraid of you, Celeste, I said as I crossed my arms. This dress was made for me, and I'm going to wear it. Next time you pick out your clothes, maybe you should try being yourself instead of me. Oh, wait, but maybe then Maxon would see what a brat you are and send you home, huh? Without a second of hesitation, she reached up and ripped one of my sleeves off and walked away. I gasped in outrage, but was too stunned to do anything more. I looked down and saw a tattered scrap of fabric dangling pathetically in front of me. I heard Sylvia calling for everyone to come to their seats, so I walked around the side of the curtain as bravely as I could manage. Yay. All right, so that's Celeste, you know, just just keeping it real. <laughs> Celeste knows what's up. Celeste does, <laughs> Yeah. All right, so that's that's what this book is like, basically. A lot of nonsense, some pretty dresses. A lot of bad, bad dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, and now we'll play some Would You Rather. And I'll ask, would you rather compete in the selection or the Hunger Games? Oh, my gosh, the selection, straight up. Like, selection, obviously. Obviously, yeah. yeah You're not like, going to get murdered. <laughs> Yeah. And even if you don't want to be with this guy, it is very easy to act like an asshole so you're not chosen and you still get to stay in the palace for a few days and eat good food and have money given to your family. Mm -hmm. And then after this election, you have a way better life. You're immediately elevated to a higher caste. And it turns out that like most of the girls end up marrying celebrities once they get out anyway. So it's yeah, It 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 kind of rules for everybody who's in it. It would be more compelling if, like, you get murdered, if the, if the Princeton chooses you get killed. And, but that's not this book, so. All right, yeah, obviously Hunger Games. Uh, even if you're, like, an angry teenage girl, there's no real reason not to enter this election, I feel. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, would you rather marry below your cast for true love or above your cast for money? So here's my thing. If there are only heterosexual marriages, I would definitely marry above my cast for money. Mm. If I could marry someone who I really loved, who was a lady, who was a lower cast, I might do that. But if we're just talking dudes, definitely above my cast for money, I would marry whoever was the richest person who would have me. That's fair. I don't rem- Sophie, do you remember? I know there was the gay couple in the later books, but were they allowed to get married or were they just like not shunned? I don't I know. think they were just well, I mean also they were like 17 and had just met. So, right. I think that yeah, I don't know. I think they were I think I mean, this was after the reforms yeah. that were made, but Yeah, I don't know. They're the only gay people in like the entire series. And I think it's Shocking. just kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going for money, though. I think, you know, I think if you are going to just, like, game the system and marry up, it's fine. Because then you, I don't, I want to know what happens if you get a divorce. Oh, if you get to yeah. stay in your class. Interesting. Because then you could just, like, make a friend who is a higher class and marry them and then get divorced and then be fine. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I think librarians would probably be threes. Like, if teachers are threes, I think librarians would be. So I've got room for some downward mobility. Like, it wouldn't be so bad to be, like, a four. You know, it's not like I'm a six and I'm marrying a seven and then I'm in the garbage. So (laughs) 
I mean, theoretically. Um, yeah, so, so that would be okay. If, if, again, if I have met a perfect Maxon-like soulmate who happened to be a four, <laughs> I'd take that. And next up, of course, would you rather find your spouse on The Selection or ChristianMingle.com? Which, first of all, like, Christian Mingle is apparently not open to America because they don't seem to have the internet or email in the future at all. <laughs> like, not at all. Nobody has it, which is weird. So I actually do, this d- did raise a question that I had, which is, religion seems to exist in this future, and I'm assuming that, like, that is part of why all their laws are so conservative, but it's never mentioned. It briefly I think, yeah, there's like at one some point, maybe not even in this one. Yeah, there's a mention that like clergy members, I think, are like a super high cast. Yeah, I think they're... And that's the only one I can remember. Yeah, I mean, there's something, I think, when they're making their wedding plans, because they do get married in a church. Yeah, like, I assume it exists, we just don't... Yeah, but, like, are there other religions? I don't know. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think they have survived. Yeah, so I think Christian Mingle probably does really well in a society if they have the internet. Mm-hmm. Because um, I think it's probably... you're pro- there's, They're probably required to go to the same church of Alea or whatever. Yeah. Which I assume is just Christianity. That's the vibe that I get. Yeah. Uh, me personally, I would go for the selection. I think it sounds. I think it sounds fun. I want to wear pretty dresses. I want to eat good food. I want to be famous. Yeah, this is hard for me because Christian Minkle is our beloved sponsor. But also, <laughs> I, I, as I have mentioned, I do think that I could be a good reality TV star, and I think yeah. the selection could be my chance at that. Plus dresses, plus the food. Uh, plus, I mean, if it's Maxon, that guy seems all right. Yeah. And again, if we fine. don't click, then you just get sent home early. It's fine. Yeah. And you get to marry a celebrity. So, yeah, with, with apologies to Christian Mingle, I'm going to take my chances <laughs> in this election. Yeah, same for basically the same reasons. It is basically a free vacation to somewhere super fancy where you'll be pampered and eat good food. And, you know, if I don't get chosen, I could always use Christian Mingle to find my future celebrity spouse in the aftermath. Yeah, and, like, your profile picture could be you wearing, like, the dress that I ripped. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know what, guys? I didn't come to this election to make friends. (laughs) uh and uh now quick bonus question a quick round of fucking marrying killing with aspen america and maxon which first of all aspen's gotta die aspen just has to die immediately yeah oh no that i was gonna go the other way what uh, yeah, I would marry maxon oh first of all it's jaren's only you have to marrying him Oh, okay, yeah. Well, I'm marrying him. <laughs> yes, obviously. Uh, killing America and fucking Aspen. Mm. See, I, I mean, don't know. That's just what my heart told me. I'm following my heart, you guys. As a straight girl, like, I'd probably enjoy fucking Aspen more, but he is the person who I most want to die. Like, that's true. 
So, so I'm killing Aspen, I'm marrying Maxon, and I'm fucking America. And it'll probably be a little awkward, but I'd rather that she live. Yeah. Yes. Uh, same uh, thing. I'm killing Aspen. Like, really, before you even finish saying what the other options are, I'm killing Aspen. <laughs> yeah. And marrying Maxon, because he seems like a nice enough dude, yeah. and, you know, the, all that sweet palace money mm-hmm. and food and dresses. And I'm fucking America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this, it could be like Reagan, Hitler, Aspen. I'd be like, no, <laughs> killing Aspen. <laughs> like, we could go back to Bill O'Reilly game and just throw an Aspen. I'm still like, nope, this is the dude who needs to die the most. <laughs> okay, goodbye, Aspen. Goodbye to All the right. game section. Now, we will move on to Reader's Advisory, where we'll suggest books to read instead of or in addition to the selection, which I think, as we've mentioned, it's pretty enjoyable. Uh, I'm not not recommending the selection. I will warn you that if you read them, you probably are really going to want to read all five of them and then Mm -hmm. have kind of like a book hangover from that. That's fine. There's worse problems. You're going to be compelled to read them, and you're going to enjoy yourself while you're reading them, but you're going to be angry when you're done with all of your nonsense unanswered questions at how shoddily it's put together. And you're going to need to record a podcast about it. Yes, just to get all your feelings out. I think the best case scenario for reading these is actually... Like, what I did, I listened to them all with a friend in a car together. So I had somebody else there to react at the same time as me. There was a lot of, like, screaming. Um, (laughs) There's this thing... Okay, I was a Peace Corps volunteer in the Dominican Republic for two years, and this thing that Dominicans do, like, when something's, like, really sexy or shocking, and it's not quite a hand snap, but it's, like, you shake your hand really loudly. I'm trying to do it in the microphone. It's not working. But, like, I hadn't done that in years, and listening to this, I was just, like, compelled to do it. Like, things would happen, and I'd be like, oh, my God, like, hand snaps. Like, I just had to <laughs> react that way, and it was really validating to have another person with me in that space, so... I'd recommend that, that very specific set of circumstances, (laughs) if you can replicate that. Outside of reading these, though, um, my first recommendation that, like, I most strongly recommend would be to watch the Lifetime show Unreal. Yes. Mm -hmm. It is about behind the scenes at a Bachelor-esque TV show. It is so good. Season one is on Hulu. Season two should be on Hulu soon. Um, Danae Benton, who plays Natasha in the upcoming Natasha Appear in the Great Comet of 1812 on Broadway, has a role in season two. I'm pretty psyched to see it. So you should watch that. Yes. Um, also, we've mentioned The Hunger Games a hundred million times. (laughs) You've probably already read The Hunger Games or at least watched the movie. If for some reason you haven't gotten around to it, they're pretty good. They're a lot better than this. Definitely Mm -hmm. The Hunger Games. Uh, you know, again, like, last episode, we were like, you know, The Fault in Our Stars isn't as bad as people say it is. It's, like, pretty good. Like, we're going to go with, like, the non-backlash opinion that Hunger Games is pretty good. Yes. Another book about a dystopia where your future is basically decided for you would be, of course, The Giver by Lois Lowry, which is much better than this book. Mm-hmm. Uh, another is the Match Trilogy by Ellie Condi, where you're assigned, you know, when you turn 16, you get assigned your future spouse by the government. 
That's another trilogy that I think is it's very well written. It really goes beyond its concept. Its dystopia makes a lot more sense than this one. It's clearly a lot better thought out. Uh, it also has really pretty dresses on the front cover, so you've got everything that this has and more. <laughs> uh, and and it does also have a childhood best friend love triangle that, again, is better, maybe, than this. So that's good. Uh, of the crop of books about, YA books about reality television, I've read several because I'm interested in reality television and YA. Of those, I think my favorite was For Real by Allison Cherry. Which is really fun. The premise kind of is that two sisters get on this show and they think that the premise is that it's kind of like the amazing race, but then it's announced as like a surprise reveal that it's actually like a travel dating show and they they get split up from the original pairs that they came with. And it's just like really fun and there's uh, a good sister friendship and a good relationship kind of and like that's pretty fun. So For Real by Allison Cherry if you want like a a why a book about reality television where I think the author actually did watch The Bachelor instead of this. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not convinced that she did. <laughs> um, I will tell you one of my favorite recent dystopias that I have read, which I actually think might not be that recent. It might be like two years old now would be Proxy by Alex London, which is another one of those. It's the future and things have happened and there's a lower class and a higher class and um, the main character is a proxy for one of the other protagonists and that is a poor person who takes the brunt of punishments and um, things like that for a rich person. And there are actual queer characters in it, so that's also good. Uh, Sophie, anything you want to shout out? Uh, if you enjoy the Bachelor and Bachelorette adjacent products, um, Rose Buddies is a really great, great podcast about it. I don't actually watch The Bachelor. I've I've maybe watched a few episodes in like the first season, but it's really funny, and they do recaps of it, and it's great. It made me appreciate this book even more. Right. Somehow. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we'll have all of these and more on our website, worstbestsellers.com. And I'm also going to quickly shout out the best reality show of all time, which is RuPaul's Drag Race, <laughs> which has recently uh, come back. All-Star Season 2 has started. Well, by the time this episode drops, I guess maybe like a month ago, but it's still ongoing. It's still significantly enhancing my quality of life just by appearing on my television once a week. And uh, older seasons are on Hulu, so you, you should watch it if you like fun things. <sighs> I hate fun things. Ugh. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> you can just watch 24. <laughs> the least fun show ever. I, yeah, like, I scan my brain for, like, what's the opposite of RuPaul's Strikers? <laughs> and I came up with 24. <laughs> Like, if I thought about it longer, I might come up with something else, but I think it's a pretty solid starting point for an opposite. (laughs) So, yeah, 24, the opposite of RuPaul's Drag Race. And now we will move on to our candy pairing, where we'll suggest a candy to go along with this book, and also some wine that you probably already drank while reading this book. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, so my candy pairing for this book would be one of those elaborate, intricate lollipops that are like some beautiful design or figure made out of spun sugar on a stick. Uh, it's beautiful on the outside, but it stops being practical if you think about it for more than a second. Uh, mine is rock candy because it's extremely beautiful. And I want to stress to you guys how beautiful the covers of these books are. It's just, they're stunning. There's so much dress porn. It's amazing. And then you bite into the candy and or open the book and realize there's not anything there. It's just, it's beauty, but it's just a bunch of sugar crystallized together. Uh, yes. Mine is cotton candy for the exact same reasons as Sophie. Like, she's yeah. correct. All right, and now we'll move on to our favorite game, The Rock, Paper, Snicked, where Kate will say who Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book, and Sophie will choose which person would most enhance the book, or she could choose paper, which is to leave these beautiful, beautiful books as is. All right. If Dwayne The Rock Johnson were in this book, he'd be one of the castle guards, after all the constant attacks by the rebels, he'd start to get really frustrated that no one has a real solid grasp on what they're trying to accomplish. When the northern rebels attack during the selection, instead of hiding, he'd sneak out in disguise and corner one of the rebels, detaining them privately until they explain their plan. He'd realize it's a stupid plan, and they're going about everything backwards, so he'd help them strategize a better way to mobilize and get their message across. He'd also take Prince Maxon aside and explain what the rebels are looking for is for something akin to a constitutional monarchy. And after a few basic lessons in government and civics, he'd win Maxon over to his way of thinking. He'd help Maxon and America strategize a way to use the selection to peacefully help bring about this change and force the king into stepping down and abdicating to Maxon, who would then begin to dismantle the caste system and put elections into place. Aspen would basically never come back because fuck that guy. And America and Maxim would have a more leisurely courtship that didn't involve weird rules about sex. And also maybe America and Marley would do a little experimenting to see if maybe the reason Marley wasn't into Maxim was because she's queer. Maybe they even settle into a little poly V at the end and they live out the rest of their lives together. All right. Well, if Wolverine were in this book, he'd be one of the rebels. But he'd realized that none of the commoners actually understood what the fuck the rebels were trying to do. And so he'd mobilize a couple of the teenage girls who always hang out with him to create a marketing strategy for the rebels and get the word out. Once the rest of the people actually understand what's happening and what the rebels are trying to do, pretty much everybody rises up against King Clarkson. The monarchy is overthrown, and Celeste, shockingly, wins the first democratic election of Ilya to become their first president. Without the pressure of the selection, America literally never gets around to making up her mind between Maxon and Aspen, and they all live together as threes. I mean, a threesome. Also, side note, if Wolverine's a rebel and The Rock is a guard sneaking in with the rebels, obviously they would make out. Yes, definitely, Please. of course. That's just the crossover t between our two scenarios. <laughs> so um, I think that I'm going to go with The Rock, but mostly just because I like the idea of an America, Marley, Maxon triad better than America, Maxon, Aspen. 
it's it's a better outcome for everybody because no one even cares about what happens to Aspen in this one. No, it's true. I don't either. Like, fuck Aspen. But just, I do think that America would never make up her mind between them without yeah. outside pressure. Yeah, true. All right. Good game, guys. And yeah. now we will move on to the moral of the story. My moral of the story is reality TV is either destroying the world or saving it. I'm not really sure after reading this book. Uh, mine is be nice to rich people because they're probably actually okay. And they're not plotting to keep you and your family in poverty forever. Unless they are. But they're probably not. Uh, inspired by RuPaul and America's low self-esteem, my moral of the story is, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? Can I get an amen? Amen. Thank you. All right, and now we will move on to Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte will give his opinions about the book. Okay, Duarte, I, I promise that if I'm ever on a reality show, I will bring you with me to where, wherever <laughs> it's filmed. You can come. You can come, I promise. And I'm really not sure if the pets also had a cast system. They really didn't go into it. But cats would, of course, be number ones. We, we know that. Obviously, cats would be ones. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> All right. Well, Duarte, thank you so much for your input. And now, do any humans have any closing thoughts? I love these books. I can't. I can't help it. I love them so much. They're so bad. I know. I just want to read them forever. It's shocking to me because I think of something like Pretty Little Liars, where like I read the first one, I was like, "Oh, this is addictive. I want to know what happens next." But I think I'm just going to read the Wikipedia summaries. I just really want the the data of what happens. But these, I was like, "No, I want to read them." Like. I don't know. It's some kind of witchcraft, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will say that I'm in the, I should probably look these up on Wikipedia stage. I don't know if I'm necessarily going to read the rest, but definitely I enjoyed the act of reading it much more than I thought I was going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're compelling as hell. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Uh, so maybe we should stop giving her so much shit for being a worse Hunger Games, because, like, she accomplished something. <laughs> I don't know. What? <laughs> it so, succeeds in a very narrow definition of success. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, so that's that's the selection. Um, we're the worst bestsellers. You can find us on Facebook, where we're the worst bestsellers, or on Twitter, where we're the worst bestseller with no S, because that's just how we spell it in the future. There's a silent <laughs> S. Uh, we also have a Goodreads group that you can find by searching goodreads.com, or there's links to all that stuff from our website, worstbestsellers.com. Uh, you can also subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. If you do, please rate and review us. Uh, when you rate and review us, it pops us up a little bit in the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us. If you don't rate and review us, we will have to demote you to sevens. That's just how <laughs> it's going to go. I'm sorry. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter at Renata Snacks. You can follow me personally on Twitter at 14 across. Uh, I am Babe Glad Wallers on Twitter. Mostly I just complain about things, but follow me anyway. I'm fun. That's all anybody does on Twitter. Yeah. It's true. 
Um, all right, and then we are still taking uh, taking input on our survey about launching our Patreon account. Uh, you can get to that survey. The easiest way is probably from our website, worstbestsellers.com. But if you really want to type it in yourself, you can go to bit.ly slash WBS survey. And thank you so much to everyone who already has filled that out, especially those of you who gave us nice compliments in the comments box. We read them all and treasured them to our hearts. And we will be back in two weeks. Guys, in two weeks is going to be our two-year anniversary of this podcast. And what? we are going to... What have we been doing with our lives? <laughs> <laughs> this, mainly. <laughs> And uh, getting bitten by insects, I think, yeah, is how we yeah, spend our time. True. Uh, so we are celebrating that in Worst Bestsellers tradition by reading Eclipse by Stephanie Meyer. And I, that will see the return of the Worst Bestsellers drinking game. So get ready for that, guys. Get ready. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be better this time yeah, than I was Kate, last time. Kate, get a Gatorade beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. Well, I think that's, think that's all. Thank you all so much for listening. And thank you to Sophie for joining us and rereading this delightful book. Yeah, I was so glad to, I was glad to have an excuse to reread it, honestly. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye. Yeah, this is not well written. Okay. No.